You're listening to Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don. GMAD. Don is a pastor with 40 years experience. And Alex is just as curious as you are. We look at the most important and interesting questions about the Bible and Christian faith. So let's talk about it. Pastor Don. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Good, good. Glad to hear that. We got some comments, um, stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, We've probably gone over some of it before, but um, we definitely want to hit some of these. Uh, We got some, the comments from uh, Patrick Leonard in the comments section on one of the videos. And it was talking, it was in reference to a previous episode we had done about, you know, visions and uh, prophecy, right? If he wanted to know, how do you identify a false teacher? Mm. Well, you can identify them first. Okay, there's two two pieces of that. Okay. First is you need to know the word enough to know what's false about their teaching. Okay. And so content will be part of it. You, you test the content. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second piece is you test the spirit by which they teach. Okay. In other words, we're supposed to we're called by the New Testament to test the spirits. And uh, so if they're teaching from a spirit contrary to the Holy Spirit, to what God has already revealed okay. in his word, then then you gotta yeah, put the red flags out. Okay. Yeah. And and yeah. And that means you've got to be somewhat literate in the scripture and uh, be able to test those things. Yeah, somewhat literate, but you can always use reference. True. Yeah. There's a lot of tools out. <clears throat> yep. And I've done that before with uh, pastors um, where I'm struggling with something, and I know they kind of take a different view to, you know, some people in the congregation, you know, the people I walk alongside, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so I'll go and just ask. And then, I mean, obviously, generally they're very open and excited to have those conversations. Um, but it can get tricky sometimes. It can. Because um, if they are, you know, maybe going out on left field a little bit and uh, not feeling comfortable in what they've just said, mm-hmm. or if it's a doctrine that they're not comfortable with, yeah, then you'll you'll notice. Yeah. Yeah. Agree with that. Yeah. And I think I'm, gr- I'm gra- grateful for the comment. I right. think that's yeah. Thanks for coming. Th- this needs to be more interactive, and, mm-hmm. and we get more of those comments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it comes. The reason I said that I think we've covered some of this before is because of. Well, here, let's do it this way. All right. So, leading question: Why are there so many denominations in the Christian faith? And there's two pieces of that. Okay. One is because one doesn't feel like another person emphasizes puts the same emphasis on things that they do. Oh, okay. And so this piece of doctrine becomes uh, really important. Okay. Like you, you take the Anabaptists and the Baptists. Well, the Baptists thought the immersion was more important than the Anabaptists who were doing the pouring and the sprinkling and, okay. and things like that, mainly because of persecution. But the Baptists, they got to be immersed. Immersed, yeah. And, and uh, the, then you've got different groups of them because... There's pieces of that that was more important. And I think that that importance to one group over another probably in, uh, illustrates the second piece mm-hmm. that I think begat denominations is who's in charge. 
In other words, we, it raises a question as to whether that person really believes the scripture the same way we do. Right. And then we start to separate because of that. Yeah. And so it's sort of control yeah. over what's being taught and who's teaching it. And do I agree with this person or this person? And then we sort of cluster right. in like minds. What's interesting is then we get more fine tuning over time and then there becomes more and more denominations because we've, we've fine tuned even further so that oh, yeah. you and I both think the same all the time. Right. Well, like that works really good. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I, we've got so many denominations and that's not bad because everyone needs to feel comfortable right. in their worship of God. Mm-hmm. We, we need that. But we've also lost the other part where we're not looking at what is central, cohesive to the Christian faith. And so we have emphasized the inessentials and have not emphasized nearly enough the essentials of our Christian faith. Which is what? That Jesus Christ is the Son of Almighty God. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is God's revelation God is Father. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was raised on the third day, and he ascended on high to Almighty God and is at his right hand. Uh, that uh, he was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived and taught three years. I'm, I'm thinking of, we, we've adopted actually here at uh, Westchester, we've adopted the Apostles' Creed. Yep. Because so many, you know, we're sort of remaking the congregation in a way, and there's been so many other things get in the way that we've adopted the Apostles' Creed as our statement of faith, mm-hmm. because that is essential. Yeah. And there's even a little bit of disagreement when we were talking. Not nec- No, there wasn't disagreement. There was discussion about it The uh, you know, at the end, you know, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was very strange. Just have to recite to recite that usually during communion right. um, in a Methodist church. I always thought that was odd, very odd. Why, Why would we, we say Catholic when yeah. we're Methodist? Yeah, we're toting, toting the Catholics while we're yeah. Methodist. Yeah, and to this day, I still have not had a answer that I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. Well, you know, Catholic <laughs> is meant as universal church. Yeah. The yeah. the the church not not universalist. Don't get me wrong. Right, but the church that christ begat right in the book of acts that universal church Mm -hmm. and uh i I think probably more churches today especially emerging churches and brand new open churches are trying to be that acts two and three church that was called out right from the beginning from the time that the the uh flaming tongues were separated and and descended upon people and, and they actually gave the gospel out to people in languages that they understood yeah. and and then they were drawn together by this this wow I hear God's word in my own language mm-hmm. and as they were drawn to it here's Peter says okay this is what's going on folks right there we're being drawn towards that emerging church of the book of Acts and uh, I think that's great because we are living in the end times. I think Christ is getting ready to come back, and the church needs to raise up as pure as it possibly can right right now. 
Mm -hmm. because the time is now to do that. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, now, did I answer the questions? Because sometimes I end up on a no, that's side okay. track. And <laughs> um, yeah, the question, you know, is like, why are there so many denominations? And basically, we, we disagree on some definitions within the Bible, and we agree on where the importance should be placed. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of, you know, one of the most popular rebuttals or, you know, or, def- or uh, defenses from like an atheist agnostic uh, standpoint is like, why would a loving God X, Y, Z? And I think in this situation, why would a loving God make it so difficult for everyone to agree on what the Bible says? You know, I'm not sure that it was, well, it's a part of God's creation. I don't know that it was its intention for us to disagree. So I think part of it is to keep the conversation going because it, what's interesting in our human nature is we tend to understand things and grab it on one side or the other side. Mm-hmm. And we develop these polarities and uh, it's part of our human nature to polarize conversations. Yeah. And I think God wants us to live in, in a love for one another, a respect for one another that keeps the conversation in the center okay. going because we're safe at the edges, mm-hmm. but the the conversation in the middle is precarious, and we're mm-hmm. not comfortable there. But you know what? When I walk through the scriptures and I walk through the way Jesus lived, he was in the center all the time, right? And in the middle of the conversation, because the Pharisees wanted to say, "Well, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes, there's nothing for them," and we're over here pristine, you know, dressed in our good stuff, and uh, praise the Lord, we're not like those guys. And Jesus was here saying, "Well, wait a minute, you guys don't have it all down, mm-hmm. and I came for those who were ill. I mean, they know." They need God. Right. <laughs> you guys think you've got him on the market. Yeah. And so he, he was always working those conversations. Yeah. And I think we are not nearly as comfortable being in the conversation in the center where, right. where actually I see scriptures often taking us. Yeah. And uh, we, we want to polarize. Well, we want to define our edges. We want to define and set our, set our lines. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you, you, you started that. You started off that answer, and and it almost sounded like you're saying, you know, live your own truth. But then you really brought it back to seeking the truth, because mm-hmm. I think that's one of those platitudes in this modern era that really, oh man, it grinds my gears so so bad. Is the you know, live your own truth, be you. That you know, what you do is perfect. This is beautiful. That's beautiful. It's like that's that's so inaccurate right and i'm glad you brought us back there because uh i still give the illustration on this denomination thing uh we've tried to illustrate the edges yeah the fences around the outside Mm -hmm. and i don't see the gospels going that way i see christ trying to draw us to him yeah and he says in john 14 6 i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me Mm -hmm. And that's 
intrinsically important to all this discussion about denominations and edges and who's in the kingdom and who's not in the kingdom because Christ is trying to draw us away from needing fences right to him being the center mm-hmm. yeah to getting out of your comfort and it will take you out of oh, your, yes, I guarantee sir. you yeah following Christ will take you out of your comfort zone that's right so how do we demonstrate kind of <clears throat> the act of seeking to find the, the the true purpose, the true meaning in our lives centered on the pursuit of truth, right? With somebody else, with another denomination. How would that conversation go or start? Is there something that, because I, I see in front of me like a bunch of different ways I'm going to stumble through that, right? Right. Because I'm, I'm drawing out the other denominations or another point of view first. And it feels like a lot of times they'll, they'll see it as an attack and I kind of have to clarify, you know, I'm not attacking. I'm just, this is purely curiosity. It, it, you know, it's totally reasonable for someone to be defensive in that, in that time. Mm-hmm. And that's no problem with me. Right. But how do we both then become, come together to be seeking the truth, the truth, truth, the one that we all share together. And so I, I, Marion Bontrager did this in, in describing his denomination. And he first described all the things that were uh, consistent with Orthodox Christian faith. Okay. Like the resurrection, the cross, uh, the sin nature, and all those things that are Orthodox. Every Christian believes. Mm-hmm. And then he went and described seven unique uh, parts of the Anabaptist faith, is what he was basically talking about. I find that way of breaking that down very helpful. And so instead of opening the conversation with the differences, let's open the conversations with the similarities Mm -hmm. and the affirmations we can make for each other. And then let's talk about those things that we differ on. Like Methodists talk about peace. Right. But they talk about it differently than Anabaptists talk oh, yeah, about peace. Yeah, yeah. And so, in reality, behind both of them is the shalom mm-hmm. and, and the bringing of the brokenness of our life together yeah. so that God can make us one. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the word, either shalom in the Old Testament or Rene in the New Testament, that is peace. Right. It's not the absence of conflict. Mm-hmm. It's bringing a wholeness back right. in the midst of our brokenness. Yeah. Um, another thing that Patrick brought up on, I think it might have been last episode or two episodes ago, uh, he wanted us to really you know, dive into the history of pacifism. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that kind of ties into this conversation is, you know, a long time ago, <clears throat> pardon me, they kind of broke off. So it was like Constantine is kind of these first one where it's, you know, where there were like almost the entire Roman army was made up of Christians killing Christians. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's morphed from there. It's gotten a little, there's like a few times where there were hard lines, yeses and nos and broken off into different denominations. And then there were denominations that changed from being a strict pacifist to a, okay, well, a justified war is fine, which a justified war is like, you know, you're not doing it out of revenge. You're doing it in a pursuit of peace. And they're like, that's okay. 
That's a tough one. It is a tough one. Obviously, it's a really tough one. Uh, and I think your mention of Constantine is probably appropriate because that's probably where the justification for uh, military action yep. by the church Crusades and, and the Crusades and all that came from. Uh, that means there's a lot of military stuff in the Christian history yeah. that maybe should never have gotten there. Right. But part of it is that church-state mix that Constantine brought. Yep. That probably influenced our our historical faith as much as anything. Oh yeah, the the inability to separate what is governmental and what is sacramental, mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe we're in the danger of that again. Yeah. So my under my feeling is if we go back to the biblical text. God's desire is for us to have shalom, Mm -hmm. that the brokenness we experience from our sin, he would like to have all those pieces back together, and that is the peace of God. Mm -hmm. Now, it really gets sticky when we try to apply it. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, what do you do if you know something to be, you know, completely factual? Let's Mm -hmm. say, you know, that you must... um, once you've identified your sin, you have to repent from it. You can't just ask forgiveness for it every single time and expect forgiveness. Right. Like, I know that to be true. But I'm disagreeing with somebody on that fact. Um, how do I then... Is there no peace to be had with that person? No. You, you keep finding it over time. So do you... Com- Part of it's the condition of the heart. Is the heart in a condition to continue to repent? Okay. And then, okay, I have to make it part of my life. My repentance needs to be lived out. Right. Well, I'm talking more about the conversation with someone who doesn't believe that. Doesn't believe in repenting. Right. No, let let me use a different scenario. So let's say um, uh, someone is... um, they think that uh, sex before marriage is okay because it's love. And I think, no, that's, that's not the case. That's lust. Right. Can, and if they're not going to change their side, I'm not going to change my side. Is there a peace to be had with that person? Well, you agree to disagree. Well, yeah. Uh I guess that's about as far as you can get. Okay. Because the tension, the tension between the two points of view is not bad. Okay. Because if you continue to respect the individual, mm-hmm. then the conversation can continue. Yeah. What's interesting is over the course of time, we get older. Right. And we get sometimes we get smarter. Yeah. And then we start to say, well, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Then we start thinking about, well, maybe in this situation or that situation. I can't see that in your 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 sex before marriage piece. Right. It's a difficult one because let's say this person is older than me <clears throat> and is a pastor and is a pastor of a, a large church. Now, I... I'd have a hard time with that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. So... <laughs> I, I'm sorry to be so prejudiced. Yeah, so I mean, there, so there, there's, 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 
there's the definition or the defining kind of point of, you know, the break in a denomination or an ideological view that's not necessarily rooted. See, I would say that's not necessarily rooted in uh, um, a biblical context, obviously. The Word of God is not, I don't the, think, their, their that point out. of view. Right. No, no, I would not say that's no. biblical context. Um, I think that's... So I don't know where the... But the denomination doesn't sit on that point of view. Well, some probably do. Oh. Oh, there's definitely churches that sit on that point of view for sure. Mm. Um, I, I promise. That sex before marriage isn't a problem. Right. As long as you oh. love them. Mm-hmm. As long as you love them. Right. Oh, let's get to that squishy piece. Okay. Right. What's love? Right. Yeah. There was a, I think I was telling you before this episode, the, the sign I saw in front of a church. Um, well, the, the date of this recording, this is Gay Pride Month, which uh, uh, is a whole nother probably episode that we won't even touch. But um, there's a sign out in front and it had all these platitudes on it. Uh, you know, science is real. Black Lives Matter. Um, and honestly, those ones, there are a few others. I think there was a total of seven. That, and those ones didn't, didn't pull at me as hard as the last one. It was just said, love is love. Now I'm sure it was, you know, as a, as it meant for, you know, like a gay marriage thing. Right. Mm. But just the emptiness of the statement of love is love really bothered me because we both know that, you know, there's many kinds of love and there's different times for those loves. And so saying just that love is love is not a... Well, actually, that bottom statement colored all the others. Right. Because really it isn't. Right. No. I mean, love, is it a rainy? I mean, is eros? Is it phileos? Yeah. Is it... Yeah. I'm glad you could come up with some of those because I couldn't... And none of them were in my head. Yeah, there's many kinds of love. Yeah. And so with that kind of attitude... I would question, do they know love at all? Right. In fact, I'm, the, the an, animosity that's coming out of some of these movements mm-hmm. makes me realize they really don't respect each other or an opposite point of view. Right. Well, as long as you don't respect each other or an opposite point of view, then likely the conversation will never happen. Right. I mean, helpful, constructive conversation to a better future is not going to happen as long as that that polarization Mm -hmm. is celebrated right i mean that's basically celebrating right a a a polar opposite right i mean it's it's making it political and using political games for it Mm -hmm. right you know create the division that's how you build your base and make sure everyone in that base doesn't knows that the other side is the enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. And if the other side's the enemy, then there's no point of even talking to them or having your views challenged at all. Right. But that's politics. Right. And that's how yeah. politics continues to be politics. Right. Is we're always celebrating our point of view, mm-hmm. which is exactly the opposite of their point of view. Right. And the power comes from we're right and they're wrong. Right. Man, that's a tough thing. I, I feel I feel it's very hard to give myself any kind of label in politics or church denomination. I mean, thankfully, we are un- non-denominational here currently, mm-hmm. right? Um, rooted in many. Uh, the nudge but, I'd have in the middle of this is okay. Thank you. Is to to let's have a conversation. This is my point of view, 
And this is where I get that point of view from. Yeah. Could you help me understand your point of view and where you come from? Mm-hmm. That's the big one. I think I've highlighted this on shows before or on episodes before where it's like, where are you drawing your moral authority? And that if that's totally opposite, then you probably don't have a whole lot in common with right. them. But if you're working with Christians and they say that this is their point of view, then we must enter conversations mm-hmm. and say, okay, where are you getting it from? Right. I want book, chapter, and verse. Mm-hmm. And let's exegete that passage right. together. Right. Because I've had some really wild conversations come out of, well, this is where I get it from. And I said, what? Where? <laughs> how you find how, how do you take that word that yeah. way? How do you get there from the uh-huh. Greek and the, and the Hebrew? Right. I, I'm, I'm mystified. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is I'm finding in some of these circles, because there is an illiteracy, yeah. a lot of people who can, can sway... Because, oh, well, this is what the Greek says. Right. This is what I say the Greek says. Mm-hmm. And somebody, that's not what the Greek says. Right. There's very few people out there that say, wait a minute. Yeah. How'd you get there? Right. And we need to have those conversations. Yeah. Before the whole, I, I, I think before the church gets off the rails entirely. Yeah. I agree. It seems like there's a lot more people pushing back on a lot of that, too. I think it was just recently, was it the uh, Southern Baptist uh, the nomination said they're going back to, um, they're no longer letting women preach. Actually, Southern Baptists never did. Never did. It was Saddleback that ordained a woman. Is that the one that just not, happened recently? Not, yeah, in yeah. The, not in the lead role. Okay. But Southern Baptists won't even allow women to be associate pastors. I see. And Saddleback had an associate pastor in a... Uh, a woman as an associate pastor. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, Southern Baptist, you're right. They they gave him the boot. Yeah. That's Can you imagine that's... giving Saddleback a boot? Right. That's uh, pretty major. That's that's huge. And everyone, I'm sorry that this episode is going so long. It's just, uh, it's very rich with content here and, yeah. uh, and, and obviously things that Don and I care a lot about and talk exhaustively about, but... I'm going to keep coming up with things yeah. for him. To- and, and, and Rick, I think I, I think I have a sense of Rick's heart. Okay. Uh, I, I think he was seeing genuine ministry happening mm-hmm. and uh, saw the gifts of these this right. woman. And uh, so I, I also know that he really wanted to remain part of the Southern Baptist denomination. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I feel for his torn. Right. I mean, I'm sure he's torn up about it right yeah. now. That's a tough one. I've always uh, pushed back on that because of all of the women pastors, the women in lead roles at this church. And I would, you know, fire some shots at the men in the church for not stepping up and taking larger roles, but that's neither here nor there. The fact is that my faith grew with women in the leadership roles. And I have a hard time overlooking that and saying that that was what sinful for me learning about Jesus. No, no, I don't think we can. I I don't think we can go that route. Okay, it wasn't sinful for you to learn from a woman. No, no, your mama taught you too. Right. Uh, Part of it is when we look at the Bible as a whole, 
in those historic periods of time when men did not come to the fore, mm-hmm. like the time of Deborah, yeah, Deborah led. Mm-hmm. God will not let His church be without leadership. Right. But we also need to acknowledge that when men let the let the church down, God will enable women to do so mm-hmm. and take care of things. Yeah, that doesn't mean that that it should be the norm, right? But God's going to take care of his church. Do you think he does that because he knows that some of those men will be really, you know, they'll really put a thorn in their foot and get them riled up? Get them riled up. They might do something. Yeah. But how much does it take? How much riled up does it take to get something done? Right. I mean, we have become very complacent. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not what God wants. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end this episode. Will you pray us Likely out? Likely would be a good place. Yeah. To end. <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the uh, opportunity we have to be with each other and, and the, the group that comes around this podcast. And Lord, continue to guide your church to be all you want it to be, especially as the times grow close for your son to come again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everyone, thanks for joining us. Um, In an uh, episode coming up, we're going to talk about uh, tithing. We're going to figure that one out. Is it net income or is it... I, I thank you for the income. heads up, you know, because you don't usually give me a heads up. So thank you for the heads oh, yeah, up. Yeah. I get to study so on this a little we'll bit. We'll hit that a little bit in an yeah. uh, upcoming episode. So until then, everyone, thanks for joining us, and we will see you all next week. Lord willing. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode. We are both having a ton of fun making these videos and episodes. And if you're having fun too, please tell a friend about this and help us to grow this mission. Thank you and God bless.